With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where you talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. All right. Hey, welcome to the show. Glad you could join us here today. Um, I want to start with... Um, an observation I have, and I want to see if any of you feel the same way about this. Maybe you've noticed the same thing I have. And what kind of tipped me off today was uh, Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Both of them are raising prices relatively significantly at the parks. And this is despite the fact that attendance is down. Or in their case, maybe it's because attendance is down. And the stock price is down. And they seem to be, they seem to be, well, here, here, here's what I'm thinking. And let me give you some examples here. Um, the annual passes, they have annual passes available at Walt Disney World where you, know, you can get in basically anytime you want. For somebody who lives, you know, if you live in California outside of Anaheim or you live in, live in uh, Florida, uh, anywhere around Orlando, or within easy driving distance, and you're a frequent flyer, you're like going to Disney World all the time. I, I can't imagine going there that often. But the annual pass is now up to $1,449. <laughs> that gets you in, I guess, as many times as you want, but that's per person, $1,449. They also have, that's their credit pass, I guess. I'm not sure what is included with the credit pass that you don't get with the Sorcerer Pass or the Pirate Pass or the Pixie Pass, but the prices are up on everything at Walt Disney World. Food, hotel, everything. And this is despite the fact that attendance is down. So, it's 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 kind of a recent phenomenon, I think, because I, I've always thought of these types of things as a supply and demand issue. You're, you know, the demand will will have an impact on the supply, and, and that will determine what the price is going to be. So if you have attendance being down, fewer people are going, you would think that the thing you would do if, you're, if your goal is to attract more people would be perhaps to, I don't know, lower the price a little bit? Because it's really expensive. Lower the price a little bit. Maybe more people will buy tickets. Maybe more people will come. Now, some of it is a public relations problem of Disney's own creation. But I think for the most part, it is it's pricing that has a lot to do with these things because you know let's face it not not everybody's as political as we are you know me because this is what I do for a living you because you're listening to the show you you know you're more politically involved than most people are your average family probably has very little idea of what Disney is up to 
as far as their you know as far as their political agenda, and they just look at it as you know Walt Disney's company and the mouse and all that kind of stuff. And this is some place they've always liked to go, and they continue to like to go there. But gee, it sure has gotten expensive, and maybe you don't go as often as you used to. Um, so my theory would be that you would think the price would come down a little bit. Instead, the price is going up. As if to, well, we've got fewer people coming. We're going to have to make up for this in, in higher prices. So so we'll just make fewer people pay more in order to come here. It's an interesting way to do business. But I'm beginning to see it in a lot of other areas, too. And in, in, in I've been having this conversation with you quite a bit lately about restaurant and grocery store prices. And there's been a lot of in, things that have impacted this. We, we kind of went, you may, you may recall, we had the pandemic and uh, back in 2020 and 2021 and the pandemic certainly slowed down the amount of people going to restaurants and the restaurants that were able to survive you know they they uh, found themselves having to deal with inflation and higher prices so they started to add prices to the menu and lo and behold they found out that people were still coming i don't know about you but most of the restaurants i go to are still just packed as they were Despite the fact that prices have gone up probably 25, 30, 40 percent. Yeah, I spent $39 for breakfast for two the other day at one of our favorite places to go. The same breakfast that used to cost me $25, $26 now costs $39. And it, it, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm kind of going, wow, I'm, I, I need to change my habits here. Not everybody. Not everybody's doing those types of price increases. We went to Denny's, and the typical breakfast there was about twenty-five bucks. And uh, Taste of Texas under thirty. It's just this one particular place that the price has gone up so much. And I finally told Elizabeth, I said, you know, we we really, I, I'm kind of at the point here where I kind of have to draw a line in the sand. I just can't see spending this kind of money on breakfast. It's too much money. And restaurants have gotten very, very expensive. And I think people got used to paying a little bit more in the beginning of all this because they they, they realized that what was going on with inflation and food was costing more. You remember when eggs were crazy through the roof on the prices? Well, the price of eggs have gotten back down to normal, but nobody has dropped their prices again. Nobody, nobody has gone back as far as what they're charging. So even though things are not as expensive as they were, at least as far as the supply aspect of what they have to buy they're they're not going back on their prices they continue to raise their prices it's almost if they're saying huh look at that people people are still coming i guess as long as people are still coming we we'll just go ahead and keep raising the prices <laughs> until it gets to the point where people stop coming um, and I don't know if it's because it's one of the few things in life we look forward to eating out all the time or nobody knows how to cook anymore or what the deal is. But so far, it seems to be working out okay. I just wonder where the tipping point is. I know there's a tipping point. I know there's a point that you'll get to where people go, no, I'm not going to pay that. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on breakfast. All right, we're back with more in a moment. Jimmy Barrett Show here on AM 950 KPRC. Here on AM 950 KPRC, let's talk a little bit about crime and um, crime and punishment. I guess would be the way to put it, or in some cases, crime without punishment. 
Did you hear about uh, what happened at the State Fair of Texas? This was um, last week, at the tail end of the week. There was a shooting at the State Fair of Texas. happened around the food court. And, you know, this is right after the, the big Hamas attack on, on Israel. So when that happens, you know what you're thinking, right? You're thinking, oh, crap, I hope it's not, you know, some sort of a terrorist attack or 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 something along those lines. Oh, by, by the way, not to get off track here but for a second, but there was a demonstration downtown Houston, um, a pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel protest going on. And at the end of the protest, some guy in the crowd, this was some guy who was there to protest, so he was with that group, let off some fireworks. How dumb is that? How dumb do you have to be to, to set off fireworks at a at a uh, at a rally that you're having a pro-Palestinian rally. If you're a police officer and you're there and you hear explosions go off, which is what a firework can sound like, what are you thinking? You're thinking it, you know it might be terror related. At least I would be thinking that. They're lucky somebody didn't get shot. As it is, the guy got a ticket for setting for setting off fireworks. Seems to me that there should be some sort of a, you know, some sort of a uh, criminal stupidity charge. That wouldn't you? Would, should we be able to charge somebody for criminal misbehavior for for being stupid for being so stupid to do something like that? Seems like you should. Anyway, back to the State Fair of Texas. So the, the, I'm thinking, you know, when I hear shots fired at the State Fair of Texas, I'm thinking, oh crap. But as it turns out. It's um young punk who got into some sort of an altercation. Now, I don't know if he knew the person that he got into the altercation with beforehand, if this was a beef that just made its way over to the, the state fairgrounds or what the story was. But here's the report from Fox 4 in Dallas uh, of what happened at the Texas State Fair. Usually this time of day, thousands of attendees would be at the State Fair of Texas, but on Sunday morning, it was only vendors. The fair didn't open until 1.45 p.m. Sunday. After Dallas police say one man shot at another, injuring three people, two men and a woman. All of a sudden, there was four gunshots. It was pow, 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 pow. And then there was about a, a minute delay, and then there was another gunshot, and people fled. The shooting took place in the Tower Building, which is a food court. Witnesses, some of them Fox 4 employees recorded the scene as Dallas police evacuated the park. Food court vendor Jessica Metlin was working at the time. People were jumping over my over my counters. I was pulling people to safety. I was pulling people behind the counters. All of the victims are expected to recover. At least one appears to be an innocent bystander. Dallas police say the suspect, 22-year-old Cameron Turner, ran from the scene, but officers located Turner and took him into custody. A gun was recovered. He's charged with aggravated assault. Fox 4 News producer Cassinda Crump was at the state fair with her sister when they heard gunfire. I like literally saw the smoke clearing from, you know how gunpowder or gun smoke happens. The two were inside the food court ordering a drink when they ducked down trying to get to safety. Out of nowhere everybody just starts running and then we're trying to get out the place and people just trampled us. It was just, it was chaos. They actually ran over my body 
a lot of people. Nisha Crump says she had footprints all over her body. Someone stopped them and said, let them get up, you know, and so we got up. It had to be an angel. The fear prohibits weapons on the property. However, its policy does make an exception for licensed gun owners. We don't allow weapons in the state fair of Texas. However, we understand that Texans have rights to carry their weapons. And so we have a middle ground where those that have a license to carry are allowed to come in with a concealed weapon. It is not yet clear how the suspect got a gun onto the fairgrounds. The fair has an open gate weapons detection system. When people walk through, it detects if there are any weapons on them and notifies the security team to then do a deeper inspection at that point in time. The fair is planning to enhance security during the final week of operations. We do plan for us to have a heightened security presence, not only on the perimeter of the grounds, but throughout the fairgrounds for the remainder of the 2023 State Fair of Texas. So they are state fair, you know, shots fired. Um, I guess three people were involved in this. Uh, nobody was critically injured. Everybody involved is going to be okay. But again, it happened around the food court. You know, young punk kind of a thing. Don't know what set it off. But, you know, I'm very pro gun rights. But I'm also very sensitive to people who do not carry their guns in a professional manner and are conducting themselves this way, especially in a place that's going to be this crowded as the State Fair of Texas. I'm just really concerned. Now, the answer is not to take away guns. Uh, the answer is to make sure that this young person is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. There needs to be an understanding that when you do something like this, you will be punished. And you will be punished to the fullest extent of the law. I, 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 I find that, at least in my mind, I find that to be the best deterrent. I think that's the best way to prevent more crime. They had to, you know, there was a um, a panel in Washington, D.C., House of Representatives, I'm not sure which which one it was. I don't know if it was the Judiciary Committee or, or what it was. But Representative Matt Gates is on this particular committee. And they had some testimony from the Deputy Mayor of Washington, D.C., there to talk about crime. And the impression you got, here, here's the impression, or at least here's the feeling I have about Democrats and crime. Uh, the more progressive you are, the less likely you are to think that people should be punished for crime unless you yourself are a victim. In which case, all of a sudden, yes, they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Look what they did to me. It's like, well, I don't care what they do to other people, but look what they did to me. So here's Matt Gates having this conversation with his deputy mayor about crime. And it, it it almost sounds maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm too hopeful on this, but it almost sounds as if she understands what the problem is and is just having a hard time articulating it. Here we go, Madam Deputy Mayor. Are people more or less safe this year compared to last year in Washington D.C.? Sorry, I can't say whether they're more or less safe. I can say that crime is up, and so long as anyone doesn't feel safe, then. That's an issue for us. Would higher crime rates be one of the more important indicators as to whether or not people are more or less safe? It would be an indicator as to whether or not people feel more or less safe. 
So it's something that we certainly look at in determining that. I don't know. I think people could feel unsafe even if they were safe. But this doesn't seem to be a delusion, right? Uh, the cases of sexual assault rose 111% over the course of a year. Homicides increased by 38%. Motor vehicle thefts doubled, increasing 106%. Instances of arson, over 125%. And carjackings by 55%. Why do you think that is? There's a host of complex reasons why that's the case. You've heard some. We talk about our ecosystem, policy reasons, right? There you think are, the soft on crime policies are one reason? I, I don't know that I would say soft on crime policies. What I would say is that there's a number of reforms in policy that have, made in the that have been made in the district that we believe need to be adjusted, which is why there's been a number of proposals from the mayor, um, legislation passed by the council to take a look at where we're getting the type of in, in, impact that we don't want. I, I agree with Mr. App that the only way this works is with collaboration. And so what do you think you would highlight as like the, the main uh, policy change that the mayor has proposed that could maybe put some downward pressure on this rising violent crime? Sure. There's a host of um, proposals that the mayor made related to penalty enhancements, to um, aligning uh, penalties for gun crimes with, with federal um, penalties. So there's, there's those, but there's also those on information sharing. So, so, so hold on, let's start with those though. But the underlying premise there is that enhanced punishment can have a deterrent effect and reduce crime, right? We absolutely agree with that. Yes, that yeah. accountability is an important part of crime deterrent. And I'm definitely not blaming you for this because it's not your job. But when we look at the fact that the prosecutor over the D.C. area is, has doubled their declinations, the, like from your standpoint on the front lines in city government, do you, do you think that doubling the number of declinations um, goes in the right direction or the wrong direction? I would say that what we believe is that if MPD has made arrests, that people need to be held appropriately accountable. Okay. So, is that is that a movement? Is that is that kind of a movement in the right direction now for a high crime area like Washington D.C., where they have liberal prosecutors and district attorneys and all that stuff? Maybe, maybe. Uh, it it sounds like she's saying yes. We're yes. Penalty. Would she use the term penalty enhancement? Yes, we're we're in favor of penalty enhancements, <laughs> which I guess means that she's in favor of punishing people for crime, which is something that um, I, I'd like to think that all of us were in favor of, but still is not the case. So we have Democrats, at least some who are willing to say this now, whether or not they continue to put it into practice however remains to be seen all right we're back with more in a moment jimmy baird show here on am 950 kprc so in one of my earlier segments i mentioned that uh, there was a pro-palestinian protest in downtown houston over the weekend and uh, i have no idea how many people were there it, it, you know, from what I could tell from the pictures, I don't know how many people were there aside from the actual protest group, which looked like it was probably in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 25, 30 people, something like that. Maybe, maybe 40 or 50 at the most. And of course, you know, there, there were plenty of pro Palestinian protests all, all across the country of people who want to blame Israel for what has happened. 
uh, who people who want to hold Israel accountable for what they are about to do, which is to go into Gaza and basically go from building to building looking for Hamas terrorists and taking them out. They are well within their rights in Israel to want to take out Hamas. There is no there is no cure for Hamas other than eradicating it. That's basically the only choice that they have. And and for those who, who don't really know who Hamas is or what they're all about or why they need to be eradicated, here's Victor Hansen with a little primer on all that. Israel was at the height of its prosperity, security. It's a model of a humane, successful society. And there were all these centrifugal forces around it. People said, if you just hire Gazans and bring them into your uh, work force every day, they will see how magnanimous you are, and they'll interpret that in recipro- reciprocal. They will, they will appreciate it. You'll help the economy. And they said, if you're going to have the Abram Accords renewed, it's going to be a new day. And don't worry about the Iran deal. We'll, uh, we'll negotiate. And we have Robert Malley working on it. And we're going to bring uh, aid back to Hamas. And that was all fine and good, the pressures that Israel was under. But as you said, they didn't read the charter of Hamas. And Hamas has never said that they were interested in any type of deal with Israel, much less they've even said they don't even want to build a model state in Gaza, even though they've had millions of dollars infused from the Europeans, the Americans, the UN. They're not interested in that. Just read what they say. They want to destroy Israel. And Israel has no margin of error. Well, so when you pressure it and pressure it, and they feel that maybe, just maybe, just at this moment, finally at the apex of our success, we can be magnanimous and we can live, and then, and then it can't happen. Not until Hamas is gone, because it has, it's an existential threat. They want to destroy it. And what's very scary is we in the United States think, if you have a PhD or an MA or a JD, and you have a university billet, or you're the head of a foundation, you drive an MBW, Emmett, Mercedes, you name it, that somehow you're sophisticated, and when you, you say that you're for Hamas or Israel's apartheid, so there's no connection with the violence. You wouldn't, but you're advocating violence. They are advocating. When they say they want, want to destroy Israel here in the United States, he's sophisticated. They do. And they're complicit with it. Yeah. And when you see people beheaded and dismembered and their bodies mutilated and necklaced, and then you have these refined intellectuals saying that this was great, that's, that's what they're saying. And we all say, well, they don't really mean that. They're just saying that the, give the pal- Palestinians a state. Well, the Hamas doesn't want one. Gaza doesn't want one. So even where I work at Stanford University, we had a professor who was just suspended because she was centering on Palestinian uh, Jewish students and trying to ostracize them in her own class. It's insidious, and they get away with it. And I think what's needed is Israel's going to have to say, we're not at the end of history, and, and don't pressure us. We're a humane society. We have nothing to apologize for, and we're going to take care of Hamas. And we, we don't want, we didn't ask for it. You, you pressured us. We tried the therapeutic route, and now we're going to go through the tragic route, that they want to destroy us, and we're not going to let them do it. And when we, we, all of us in the United States, have to say, every time you get up and you support Hamas, you're supporting murder. And we don't care what your title is, how much money you have, what the coat and tie and the suit 
suit you wear, that's what you're doing. You're no different than the people who go across and butcher civilians in a time of peace at a holiday. So we've got to change the entire dynamic and we've got to stop telling Israel what Israel has to do because if anything goes wrong, we don't suffer. They do. You know, as he's saying that, I'm, I'm imagining, well, I don't have to imagine, I'm thinking about the squad, you know, members of Congress who are the people he's discussing, your people in suits and ties and dresses serving in Congress who are no better than these Hamas terrorists themselves because they support their activities. Um, one more for you here. General Jack Keene, I think you know who General Keene is. He's a Fox expert, but he's a you know, member of the U.S. military for, for many, many years. Here he is. With, and he makes a, a rather bold statement about killing Hamas. We have to kill Hamas. And it gets a response on the other end from former Navy SEAL. His name is Cameron Hamilton. Here we go. I mean, we got to be upfront about what needs to be done here. We need to kill them. That's the only thing that stops these guys. They are absolutely committed to this barbarism. And we got to go in and kill them, just like we did with ISIS, just like we did with the Al-Qaeda. Uh, the nature of warfare is is always a calamity in the sense that it takes a great toll on many. But again, Israel did not start this conflict, but they sure do have the resolve, I believe, to finish it. So they've declared officially war within their cabinet, and their ultimate goal and objective is the complete and utter elimination of Hamas. I think that's an effective strategy. And they also go through great lengths and strides so as to preserve human life. The benevolence of this people is remarkable, so they even subjugate some of their troops and personnel in situations that are highly risky, that are way beyond the acceptable level of risk that we would accept for American troops, so as to minimize casualties against civilians. It's really just a remarkable and impossible job. There you go. That's really the only answer in the Gaza Strip is Hamas is going to have to go. Period. And after Hamas, they're going to have to go after and eradicate Hezbollah. And any other terrorist organization or country that wants to eradicate Israel. They're going to have to end up being eradicated. At least the people who are in charge of these countries are going to have to end up having to be eradicated themselves. And that is a dicey business. And that's why a lot of people are feeling like this is the beginning of something really big. I mean, we've been here before. There's, there's been Arab-Israeli conflicts many times. And we've always pulled back from the brink, but I don't know. This one feels a little bit different. I hope I hope I'm wrong about that, and I probably am. I you know, I'm, I'm not right all the time by any stretch of the imagination. So keep our fingers crossed. This all works out for the best. All right, y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 5 a.m. on News Radio 740 KTRH. We are back here at four on AM 950 KPRC. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.